You know, if you wanted a little bit of optimism in your life, look no further than this baseball game. I know it got a little shaky at the end. Jason Foley didn't have a very good ninth inning. The Tigers only ended up winning by a run. But, I mean, golly, this might be one of the most optimistic shows we've had, honestly, all season. Let's talk about it all today on Locked on Tigers. You are Locked on Tigers, your daily Detroit Tigers podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Locked On Tigers. I'm, of course, your host, Scott Bentley. Today is Thursday, August 17th, 2023. Thank you so much for making Locked On Tigers your first listen. Every single day, we are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube. Part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team. Every day, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Lockdown. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash Lockdown today to get started. And also be sure to check out the Tigers home radio broadcast on the Sirius XM app. And if you did do that, you were in for a heck of a baseball game on Wednesday afternoon. Who knew that a, a one o'clock, also very long game, like, this is one of the longest pitch clock games I remember. This game went well past 4 p.m. on a 1 o'clock start time. You know, in the pitch clock era, that's a, that's a pretty long ball game these days. But, I mean, goodness, what, what a roller coaster ride that was. A random 1 o'clock in the middle of August, half the teams won't be in the postseason. Didn't matter. Didn't matter. Absolute fireworks in Minnesota. We have so much to talk about. And the final score was 8-7 to seven Detroit. It was great to get a win. We'll, we'll talk about... Let's start with the bad, okay? Because uh, genuinely, this is going to be one of the, like, most high vibes. Like, vibes are good. Optimism is riding very, very high. We have a lot of numbers to make everybody optimistic uh, about the future and the direction of this franchise after one game. And, like, certainly it's not always just one game. Uh, a lot of these numbers are going to date back, you know, like since whatever, since this day, since, you know, the last week, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but it's really hard to not look at a game where your three young hitters of the future all homer and go like seven for 14 combined between them with four homers. That's a glimpse into the future. And that's really, really exciting. Let's start with the bad. Because this game was definitely, again, eight to seven. Like it was definitely not just all sunshine and rainbows. Okay. That there was the beginning, the very beginning and the very end was actually like really bad, like brutal. But everything in the middle was sunshine and rainbows and happiness and care bears and awesomeness. Okay. So apparently, subconsciously, I think care bears are awesome. Um, so first two innings. Well, no, let's start with Foley and and, uh, and and Olsen because that's what my itinerary says here if you're watching on YouTube. So, Reese Olsen gets the start. Uh, his final line would be two and two-thirds, eight hits, four earned runs, one walk, three strikeouts. Uh, it, it didn't end up costing him, and it didn't give him too long of a leash. His pitch count was pretty high as well. Uh, I fully agreed with the decision to pull him. Uh, you're, you're trying to win a baseball game. You don't want him to get too out of reach. Uh, we'll get to Bo Brisky a little bit later, and certainly Tyler Holton as well. Um, really, the biggest thing in, in this game, first off, the pitch mix. I said the biggest thing and then broke it down into two things. Um, but the, the two big things here. One was the fastball 
usage. Uh, last start, where we saw a decent fastball from Reese Olsen. I keep wanting to say Matt, and that's going to be an issue. Uh, a decent fastball, a decently effective fastball from Reese Olsen in his last outing was mostly four-seam fastball with a couple of sinkers. This outing was a lot more sinkers. And I think that that's probably a little bit just like matchup-based, like they did their homework and maybe the Twins struggle a little bit more against, you know, tailing fastballs than, than just four-seam with a little bit more velocity. Whatever the reason was, uh, it, it was not very effective for starters. I, he had a couple of swings and one swing and miss for sure on the sinker. Um, that I can remember off the top of my head. But like the biggest thing, truly the biggest thing in this outing was just he didn't have any command of the of the slider. And like that is easily his best pitch. And in the very similar breath to Alex Fiedo, I think they're different pitchers at a base level and they could grow into becoming different pitchers. But But one thing they very much have in common is really good slider, trying to figure out everything else. And... That means that if you don't have a really good slider, you're kind of just hosed, to be honest. And, and that he really got left out to dry. I mean, eight hits in less than three innings uh, with a walk on top of that. Nine base runners in two and two-thirds is certainly not great. Still had, I mean, three Ks in less than three innings isn't terrible. Still had some swing and miss stuff, but no command of, of the slider. It, it wasn't The shape wasn't bad. Uh, I didn't mind the sequencing. I thought he threw it in counts that I wanted him to throw it in. He threw it more than any other pitch. I like that. It genuinely was just the command of it was awful. He was hanging the slider everywhere, and that's something we haven't seen too terribly consistency, which is good. It's bad for this game, but good that this isn't like a super regular occurrence. But that was really all there was to it. Not anything super fancy or or like crazy analytical. Just no command of the slider. Uh, now let's get to uh, Alex Lang. I'm used to saying that. Let's get to Jason Foley. We'll get to Alex Lang and some of the good later. Um, Jason Foley, one inning, four hits, three earned runs, no walks, no strikeouts, two homers against. I mean, my goodness. I really, since like the end of May, okay, I've had in my tweet drafts or my X, whatever the website's called now, drafts, I have had Jason Foley finish the season without giving up a single homer. And I've been, it's been in my drafts and I've been, very, very closely because I, I realized at the end of May that he hadn't give up, given up a single home run yet. And he wasn't even really giving up extra base hits at the time. And I was like, oh my goodness, like if he just keeps throwing the sinker, no one's going to be able to get under it. And then June went, and he didn't give up a homer all year. And July came and went and he still hadn't given up a homer. In the second half, we're past the trade deadline. Now we're only a month and a half left in the season. He still hadn't given up a homer. And of course, then he gives up two in one outing and almost blows the game. He almost gave up a third. I'm not going to really freak out about this unless it becomes a consistent thing. It's not like Jason Foley gave up a ton of homers and then like, oh, this year he stopped and now it's back. Like he has never given up home runs. I'm pretty sure he's given up like three major league home runs like ever. <laughs> I'm relatively sure that's the number. So um, I'm going to chalk it up. I mean, the command was terrible. The, the two seam fastballs that were cranked were cookies. They were basically, he was saying, please, please hit this 430 feet. And they did. Uh, I'm not trying to give an excuse for the location or, or, or anything of the pitches, but just in general, I'm not going to lose sleep over it until it becomes a regular occurrence. And he still got the double play that he's <laughs> very much gets on a regular basis. Still got his ground ball to get out of the game there and the Tigers leave with a victory. So kind of tiptoeing out of danger uh, was scary there for a second. As far as the bad goes, the only other thing was the first two innings of this ball game. The first two innings, they were down four to nothing going into the third. 
I was thinking in the back of my head, like, my goodness, this is, we just spent an hour in the first two innings for starters. And on top of that, we are going to get destroyed. Like I, 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 all momentum in my head was like wind out of the sails. No optimism about this baseball game. Thought it was going to be a pretty dry show. What uh, was kind of concerned about how, because I thought yesterday's episode, full disclosure, I didn't like yesterday's ep- episode. I, I hold myself to a certain standard and thought I didn't, I don't know, live up to that. That seems way too dramatic of a saying, but I didn't think I reached that yesterday. I thought yesterday's episode sucked and I was really disappointed in that. And I was scared that I was going to have back-to-back shows where it was just going to be like, goodness, like this is dry. I don't have really too much here. And then they turned it around. And like the the really the the gut punch to me in the first two innings was Miguel Cabrera is on third base. He gets a double, then tags up and gets to third. Andy Abanez is up with a man on third and one out and puts together legitimately. And I do not say this lightly. This is not me trying to be overly dramatic like I tend to be sometimes. This is legitimate. Genuinely. One of, if not the worst at bat I have ever seen with a man on third and less than two outs. He he swung at a slider that almost hit him. And like, it was a, a really not a good swing. Just kind of like threw the bat out there. Then he swung and missed at whatever the second pitch was. I don't remember. And then he did a hobby and swung at a slider that was in a different area code far and away. Like I, it was... It was mind-boggling how poorly executed. Like, all you have to do is put the ball in play. Well, I guess Miggy's on third. But, like, you you put the ball in play. Let, let's let's at least give the run a chance to score. And three pitches just dismantled. He's got an OPS of, like, 550 on the season with runners in scoring position. Um, so that really frustrated me. And I was like, dang, like, this game is going to suck. And then the top of the third happened. And until the bottom of the ninth, it was smooth sailing. But we've already covered the bottom of the ninth, too. So let's talk about all the sunshine and rainbows and apparently Care Bears. We'll do that right after I tell y'all about our friends, our new friends, over at Nutrafol. Did you know that 80% of men will experience hair thinning in their lifetime? It's normal, but it doesn't have to be your fate either. You can get ahead of thinning with Nutrafol. It's the number one dermatologist-recommended hair growth supplement. It's clinically shown to improve your hair growth visible thickness, and visible scalp coverage. Uh, Nutrafol's hair growth supplements use physician-formulated natural science-backed ingredients. Their drug-free patented technology provides consistent, reliable results without compromising your sexual health. Nutrafol supports fully hair growth from within by targeting root causes of thinning, such as stress, hormones, environment, nutrition, lifestyle, metabolism, through whole body health. And it works. In a clinical study, 84% of men showed improvement in their hair after six, month of ta- six months of taking Nutrafol's men hair growth supplements. So take the first step to visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month subscription and free shipping as well. When you go to Nutrafol.com slash men to enter promo code locked on MLB find out why over 4,000 healthcare professionals recommend Nutrafol for thinner hair Nutrafol.com slash men that's n-u-t-r-a-f-o-l.com slash men and enter promo code locked on MLB
All right, everybody, welcome back here. Segment two of Locked On Tigers. I appreciate you all for tuning in, making us your first listen every single day. Shout out to the everydayers that do tune in every day. We'll be back tomorrow. We'll be back not tomorrow. Yes, we will be back tomorrow. I keep thinking today's Thursday because we're starting a new series, but it's Wednesday. I'm recording this on Wednesday. You're listening on Thursday. This has gone off the rails. Um, We'll be back tomorrow recapping game one of the Cleveland Guardians series. We'll preview that pitching matchup uh, at the end of the show. So uh, we talked about the bad in this game. Let's talk about all the good. Because this was awesome. This was like, if it wasn't for the bottom of the ninth, th- this, uh, even honestly, even with the bottom of the ninth, I'm not worried about Jason Foley. This is probably my favorite game of the year. As I said earlier, Riley Green, Spencer Torgelson, Kerry Carpenter, all homer. Torgelson homers twice and has a third one that's a fly out to the warning track and is a home run in like four or seven different ballparks. Phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. Let's start with Riley Green. Riley Green ends up going three for four with four RBIs and is a double away from the cycle. He now has an 859 OPS on the season, a 309 batting average, and his baseball savant page is a whole lot of red, like deep red, like 90th or better percentile in expected batting average and uh, average exit velocity, et cetera, et cetera. Ex-WOBA for sure. He is unbelievable. Not only did he have a single, not only did he have a triple, he also hit a ball 97,500 million feet, which was sweet. The craziest thing about that to me is that he hit one pretty much the same distance. It was off. It was like, this one was like five feet shorter than the one he hit off of Maeda last week. That one was on a curveball low. This one was on a fastball up and in. Now, it got over the heart of the play. There's no way that's where Kenta Maeda wanted it. But, that like, that dude has that power where the ball was pretty much in the exact same spot on two completely different pitches. He's unbelievable, and he is the franchise. He is. Riley Green is who you are building this offense around. It is the star that you are trying to build this team around going forward. That's him. His name is Riley Green. And what will be lost in it is the sack fly late in the game. Obviously, it ended up being a one-run game. That's super easy to point to and be like, look how much of a difference it made. Um, But just in that moment, to remember your job, really. If you get a ball up, you know what? The double, like obviously you want the cycle. But if you get a ball above the belt, you want a sack fly here. You got to score that run. This was, again, they were up, what, they were up three when that happened? They were up seven, four. And still, just the wherewithal. He's he's remarkable. He's so remarkable. A 309 batting average on the season. Jeez. And that's like a relatively slow April as well. Like, since May 1st, he's batting, like, 700. Obviously, that's not true. But it's, like, 330 or something like that. It's it's He's an absolute monster. And I think he's going to be in the top two of this lineup for many, many, many years. And that's very exciting. Spencer Torkelson had a day. He ends up going two for five with two home runs. And, again, was uh, was just shy of a three home run performance. So the thing that makes this so remarkable is obviously this game in a vacuum is great, 
And we talk all the time on this show. I, I really try to not be super reactionary. And I know that this episode is probably like just super reactionary in general because of how awesome of a game it was. Um, but I, I try my best and I encourage other people to try as well. You can't have, I think Chris Brown of, um, of Motor City Metrics ha- said it said this quote a couple of years ago, but you can't have a football mentality in a baseball, right? You can't have has to have results today, 16 game season, 17 game season in a sport where there's 162 games and it starts and ends when it's snowing, right? And Torgelson, now this sample size is a week. It's not seven months. It's not a full season, obviously. He has six home runs. In the last seven days on the calendar. That's nuts. That is whack. Right? And these aren't gimme homers. These aren't, oh, you know, he he got a little bit under it. Oh, but he got lucky finally or whatever. He is destroying the baseball over the last seven days. And we have a lot of stats later that we'll continue to, to kind of talk about. But... His OPS on the season, drum roll please, everybody, unless you're driving, close your eyes. Drum roll please. If you're driving, please don't close your eyes. His OPS is now 740. That, my friends, is over league average. And I know that that's like, he's a 1-1 pick. This is so dumb. You shouldn't be celebrating him being a just barely above league average hitter. Give people something, man. Like, golly, (laughs) Rome wasn't building the day. Like, he's not going to go from... Uh, a, a 720 or like what two weeks ago when he had a 698 OPS to a 900 OPS in a week that's not physically possible so we will gladly take six home runs in the last seven days and a 740 OPS on the season now WRC plus over 100 that's above league average um, where he, he's finally starting to come into his own he has the second most home runs hit in all of baseball in the month of August as well, which is, again, very, very exciting. Matt Olson and Corey Seager have seven home runs in August. Spencer Torkelson has six in the entire month of August, but also six in just since August 9th. He's just been on an unbelievable tear. Um, and again, was kind of just a few feet short from having... Uh, a third there. He also has a 20 home run season. Obviously that ended up being a 21. Uh, He is the first Detroit tiger to have a 20 home run season since 2021. We did not have one last season. Javi Baez had 17 last year. That was the team leader. Uh, Torgelson already at 21 with still six weeks left. Um, I don't know if he ends the season with keeping the OPS above uh, again, like I'm not saying like, all is like forgiven and everything's, you know, just going to be like great from here on out. And he's just going to hit a whole average, a home run a day for the rest of his career or anything like that. It's a week. We, we still got some, some time to, uh, to, to, I, I think fully get people on board. But uh, I, I mean, if he ends up with a 25 plus home run season and as an OPS, that's over league average. I don't know how that's not incredibly optimistic. Last year, this dude had an OPS in the mid-600s. He couldn't hit fastballs right down the middle. If he turns around this year and has a 740 to 750 OPS with 25 homers, I think expectations will be very high going into year three, as they rightfully should be. He still should be expected to take another step forward next year, 
But that is a massive step from where he was at in his second season, his second full season at 23 years old. We're seeing it come together. He's putting one performance on top of another. We need the consistency still. That hasn't just disappeared. The couple of weeks before August 9th were not amazing, but we're finally starting to see it. And that is so incredibly exciting. I'm so pumped for 2024 Spencer Torgelson. And I think it's hard not to be. One foot in front of the other, though, we still got six weeks left in this season. Uh, we'll still keep the ball rolling. We still got a lot more to talk about. Green Torgelson, obviously the stars of the show, uh, but we have a, a lot of good things that happen in this baseball game. We'll get into those right after I tell you all about our friends over at Sleeper. Do you think that Spencer Torkelson can hit another home run? Just stay on a tear in tonight's ball game? Well, we sure do. And over at Sleeper, you can put it to the test and swing for the fences with up to 100 times your payout. All you have to do is choose two or more players that you like and select more or less on their stat categories like home runs, strikeouts, hits, and more. Get your picks right and you could win big. I've been using Sleeper for years. Uh, it's been my, I'm about to start. Fantasy football is right around the corner, right? I've been using it for my leagues in a couple of leagues on Sleeper. Uh, it was also recently top of the charts in, in fantasy apps and sports apps used. You really can't go wrong. They are literally at this point, like statistically the best in the business. And now they're in daily fantasy. It's awesome. So use promo code LOCKDOWN. You'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. It's currently operational in over 30 states. Check out Sleeper today. All right, everybody. Welcome back here. Third and final segment of Locked On Tigers. I appreciate you all for tuning in. Be sure to check out the Tigers home radio broadcast on the Sirius XM app. Just search Detroit Tigers and anytime, anywhere. As long as the Tigers are playing, you will get the home broadcast for our Detroit Tigers. Um, so, Tyler Holden, this it, it, it's remarkable how good he is at his job. And like, th- this is absolutely one of the stories of the year in the off season. I'm, I'm, I'm not excited for the off season because uh, that means that baseball is over. And that makes me incredibly sad as a human being. Uh, but I'm very excited to talk off season with you all. And when we get there, we'll talk about biggest success stories from the season for the Tigers, biggest failures of the season for the Tigers, There is no way Tyler Holton is not one of, if not the single biggest success story of this entire season. He reminds me, if you're a hockey fan, and I also am one of the co-hosts of Lockdown Red Wings, he reminds me of Jake Wallman. We're like going into the year, barely anybody even knew who he was. He was not expected to do a lot. You know, Tyler Holton was a waiver claim. Jake Wallman was just kind of not a throw in, but was like not the main piece of a trade that they had made. And they come into this season, and by the end of the season, Jake Wallman was top pair defenseman next to Moritz Sider. Tyler Holton, in a legitimate workload, like like a very legitimate workload, now has a 174 ERA on the season. He went two and a third of perfect baseball with five strikeouts. He's an absolute dog. The slider low and away to lefties is unhittable, and his changeup to righties is vomit-inducing with how disgusting it is. He's remarkable. 
And he doesn't have overpowering stuff. He doesn't have the spinniest stuff in the world. He doesn't throw 100. He just pitches. Like, that that's genuinely what it is. This dude just carves people up. Unbelievable tunneling to every lefty I saw. The righties, too. I mean, he had five strikeouts. But, like, the lefties he faced in this game, they had no chance. Like, no chance. This dude is absolutely going to be on the Detroit Tigers next year. And you should pencil him in for one of the, I don't want to say like the most high leverage, like he's going to be the closer of the future. But this dude is absolutely at minimum a lefty specialist for this team for the next couple of seasons, without a doubt. Off of a waiver claim in February. Remarkable stuff. Um, Okay, so I, I want, we'll end the show with just a lot of just numbers that should give you some optimism, okay? I want to start by taking it back to two days ago's episode, okay? The off day episode. And I had said that there are only like 10 or 11 guys on this team that I think have carved out prominent roles for the Detroit Tigers in 2024, right? On the entire 40-man roster, there's only 10 or 11 guys that are like guaranteed like this dude's going to get his looks at the at the, the the major league roster next year. Pretty much all of those dudes had great days at the office today. Tyler Holton, we just talked about. Uh, Riley Green, obviously we talked about. Spencer Torkelson, talked about. Kerry Carpenter, two for four with a home run opposite field again. Do you know how incredible Kerry Carpenter's player development story is? It, th- this should be taught in schools. This this should be this should be front page of the news. My like future generations should learn about this before they learn how to write in cursive. Like this is remarkable. He went from a nothing prospect as far as rankings go. A nothing prospect to mashing his way through double A, leading all of minor league baseball in home runs, gets promoted to triple A, continues to mash, comes up to the Tigers at the end of last season. He can't hit lefties and he can't hit breaking balls. But if you're a righty and you throw him a fastball, he's going to crush it. And he showed the power potential this year. And he only pulled the baseball last year as well. This year, he is hitting power to all fields. He's hitting off-speed better. He's hitting breaking balls significantly better. He's still hitting fastballs. And if you prorate his major league career, he's on about a 30 home run a season pace. He has a 286 batting average and an 868 OPS. This guy is remarkable. He's hitting lefties better now. Every single time you point at something Kerry Carpenter does and you go, he needs to improve in that, within two months, he's better at it. This is mid-season adjustments, by the way. This is not, oh, I had a whole off-season, I'm doing it. This is, oh, I was bad at this in May, and by July, I'm good at it. Remarkable. All the credit in the world to that man. Seriously. I, I, I cannot give enough flowers to Kerry Carpenter. Incredible stuff. Matt Veerling, I said, carved out a role. Don't know how prominent it's going to be, but he's going to have a role on next year's team. Uh, He goes two for five. Akil Badu, certainly, I mean, wasn't on the list of 10 or 11 players that has a role next year, but we talked about players with the most to lose 
in the last six weeks of the season. This is like, this game is exactly why people still hold out hope for Akil Badu. This is every, this is the best version of him. This is everything Akil Badu brings to a baseball team in one game. Played solid defense. Hey, made a couple of nice plays. Uh, goes one for two with three walks and a steal that then got airmailed and thrown into center field, and he was able to, to wreak havoc on the base pass and advance to third. That's why back in March, I wanted him on this team. This is laughable over Kerry Carpenter. That will, will forever be one of my worst takes. But that is why. Because if you look at these small sample size, he gives you flashes of just an electric baseball player that can really make stuff happen. Needs to keep the ball rolling, though, if he wants to to, to keep, you know, keep stiff-arming the Parker Meadows conversation. He needs to keep the ball rolling, though. And not go into a slump because that that seven week stretch where he could barely hit is pretty unavoidable. But this was a great game for him. Miggy, obviously, anytime he does anything, great stuff. So just as a whole, okay, we'll end with some more fun stats. This one is credit to Bally Sports Detroit, who put this graphic up. You know, if I have one message I want to teach, if I want to teach kids, cite your sources, kids, you know. Cite your sources. Be sure to uh, to always give credit. It's the uh, good good journalism lesson there. So uh, this one's credit to Bally Sports Detroit. Spencer Torkelson, since July 18th, has an 887 OPS. That's almost a month sample size. 20 RBIs and an 887 OPS. Great numbers. Riley Green since July 19th, almost batting 350 with an OPS of 997. A few ticks away from a 1,000 OPS, again, over a month. Kerry Carpenter, since the beginning of August, well, since August 4th, a 455 batting average with eight extra base hits, has a few doubles, but has three home runs in the last week as well. Two in Fenway and now the one in this game. Am I, am I even missing one, maybe? Regardless. That is your core. That's your young core. In this ball game, and this one is via Jason Beck of MLB.com, those three, Torque, Green, Carpenter, went 7 for 13 with four home runs, seven RBIs, and five runs scored. So yes, the comments I said yesterday where I said this offense still has a long way to go, that is objectively true, right? The bottom three hitters in this lineup is still sometimes a black hole. There's still plenty of dudes on this team over half of the lineup still with an OPS under 700. We don't have a second baseman right now for 2024. We don't have a third baseman right now for 2024. We still could probably use an outfielder, right? This team is very far from perfect, very far from competitive, very far from being a playoff team, very far from being uh, 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 legitimate, just like making games interesting in the second half in a division that doesn't isn't a complete laughing stock, right? Th- th- those are all true. I, I what I said yesterday doesn't just become become not true because of one baseball game. That being said, you, you're looking through. I don't know, the telescope? That's not really into the future. You're getting a glimpse of what this core can be. 
you know who's going to be here long-term. You know who isn't going to be here long-term. There's a couple of question marks in there. Those are fun conversations we'll have the last six weeks of the season and into the offseason. But the fact of the matter is the players you know are going to be here next year are looking pretty dang nice. And the most exciting part about those three doing well specifically is that that goes beyond next year. You know, I keep bringing up like there's only 10, 11 people that you know are going to be on the roster in 2024. Well, as you push the years down the road, that number gets thinner and thinner. There's a legitimate argument that those three guys are the only people that you're really confident are going to be on this team even three years from now, two years from now. And it's nice to know the people that you know are going to be here long-term have been swinging a really, really hot stick lately. And, oh, you know, oh, I'm still a Torque hater. He sucks. Okay, like, you know, to each their own. But, like, does that make you, you don't believe in Riley Green and Kerry Carpenter? It's not just one guy. There's a legitimate offensive core here that I I think is something to be excited about. Now, again, not to pour cold water on it. There's still, as a team, this roster still has a very long way to go. And Spencer Torgelson and and, and all of these guys, I don't think are even close to their ceilings. There's still a lot to prove. There's still a lot of consistency Torgelson has to prove. um, And Riley Green, I I guess maybe, I'm not really sure what else he has to prove, but I guess for all of them, really, consistency is the thing. Carpenter had a rough... You know, end of July and beginning of August, Riley Green had a had a week, I guess, like at worst, if you want to really try and poke holes in Riley Green for some reason. He had a week where he struggled there uh, last week, before last week. Um, th- there's still consistency, but like, Kerry Carpenter's 25 and in his first full season. Spencer Torkelson's 23 and in his second season. Kerry Car- or Riley Green is 22 and in his second season in the majors. Doesn't guarantee anything for these players or this team. But golly, is it just nice to have some hope. This was such a fun baseball game. And obviously, Torgelson's not going to maintain one home run a game pace. And I'm sure all three of these guys will, will take their lumps at some point throughout the rest of the season and throughout their entire careers. But for right now, in this moment, Let people enjoy things. I'm pumped. I'm pumped. That doesn't mean I think the team's going to win the division. That doesn't mean the team... I have to always clarify because there's always going to be a, whoa, you sound like the Tigers are going to win the World Series next year. No. But there's something to build around here. And that's dope because it's been a while since we've had an actual tangible in the major leagues, not talking about minor leaguers, not talking about 10 years down the road, tangible right in front of us. We're seeing them do well. We're not talking about, oh, if they just adjust this, if if they just fix this, they can be this, they can be this. We're seeing it. And they're here for a while. and, And we're seeing it in front of our face. That's awesome. I'll stop rambling. Let's head to Cleveland. Scary words for the Tigers over the last few years. Uh, Tarek Skubal 
goes on the bump today, uh, Thursday evening. Uh, he will face uh, Xavion Curry, who has uh, had a little bit of like some decent outings and, and some poor outings. Um, I, I think his last one of his last two outings was not very good, but also the other one was pretty decent. Um, I mean, yeah, 25 years old, part of the just Cleveland, you know, they're just going to call up dudes that uh, whether they're highly touted or not, they're going to call up dudes and they're going to give them valuable innings. So that's going to be game one. We'll preview the rest of the series, the rest of the weekend uh, on tomorrow's show, because that'll be Friday's show. But we got Matt Manning this weekend. We got Erod, et cetera. So, um, yeah, go take it to Cleveland, man. You are, for the standings watchers, I am not one of them, but I know some people are, and I try to accommodate everybody. You are four games back from the Cleveland Guardians. And you're about to start a four-game set. Let's get weird. Thanks for making Locked On Tigers your first listen every day. Um, yeah. Appreciate y'all for tuning in. Shout out to the everydayers that do tune in every day. We'll be back tomorrow. Recapping game one against Cleveland, baby. It's just nice to win one. What a great day. Peace and love. Going to therapy's dope. I'll catch y'all then, baby. Go Tigers.